Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. It's the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith, as always, is the other host of this show, and he is here as well. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to my good friend, KT. How are you, my friend? Doing great, Brian. Same to you. Same to everybody out there. Steelers have delivered on back-to-back weeks to make our Christmas and New Year's a little more enjoyable, so I appreciate them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is the 40th anniversary of my favorite year, 1984. I'm a huge fan. I love that Steeler team of 1984. It was a team that went to the AFC Championship game. But if we talk about them, we're probably talking about the 2024 version. But when you think about it, that's a team that snuck into the playoffs and got all the way they had a huge upset on December 30th of 1984 against the 13-3 Denver Broncos. Then they went to Miami and hung tough for a little while with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, who They eventually lost that game, and the Dolphins went on to the Super Bowl, which they lost to the San Francisco 49ers, who were a one-loss team that year. The only loss perpetrated by that Cinderella-Pittsburgh Steelers fa- team in October of that year. So that was a special year. But if we look back on this day 40 years ago, the Steelers lost in the playoffs, uh, a devastating game to the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, uh, 40 years ago today, which is January 1st when we're recording the show. But that was the team that set up the very next year's team. So why am I bringing all this stuff up, Kevin? I'm bringing it up because there's some similarities right now between the two teams. Yeah, I, I remember that that 84 playoff game in, in Denver pretty well, man. That was a big big game for Walter Abercrombie. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Steelers had a little bit of a two-headed monster going on there at running back. Not quite. I don't know if we could call it a monster, but they had a two-headed rushing attack in that 84 group like they do today. That's probably one Frankie of the Frankie Pollard was good. Frankie yeah. Pollard was good. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites, Kevin. Yeah, I like Frank Pollard a lot. I liked Abercrombie. I mean, they had, you know, they didn't have elite running backs in the 80s, but they had guys that you could root for. You know, Merrill Hodge was the guy that that everybody liked, you know, a little before him at late 70s, early 80s, Sidney Thornton. I mean, just a good group of tough gamers in that era. Well, it's funny because during the game yesterday, it was right before halftime, I believe, where they brought up a graphic and the graphic that was brought up were the only times the Steelers had 1000 yard running backs 
we're talking total yards, two of them in one season. And we know the only time it's ever happened in Pittsburgh was 1976 with Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris. They had 1,000 yards from scrimmage that year. But they, uh, not just from scrimmage, but they had two 1,000-yard rushers. That has not happened since. But if you go back to those 1980s teams, I believe it was 85 and 86. It was Frank Pollard and Walter Abercrombie one year, and then Abercrombie and Ernest Jackson another year. And then it happened uh, this year with Jalen Warren and now Najee Harris, who are 1,000-yard producers because it's from scrimmage because you're combining, of course, uh, rushing and receiving. So they have two guys that have accumulated over a thousand yards. And it was the first time since almost 40 years ago that it's happened. And that's pretty darn impressive when you look at what's going on with this running back stable. I feel, and I believe we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, how that is the the rushing right now. You don't get without an offensive line. You don't get without a decent quarterback, but they're right now the heart and soul of this team because they're getting hit three yards and making it 10. Right. Yeah. The, the game against Seattle on uh, Sunday was really an, uh, a combination of two things. As far as that goes, you had on some plays, the line just re- really opening up great holes. There were some, there were some runs there where it, it looked like Harris and Warren didn't get contacted until, you know, four and five yards down, down the field, which is awesome. Great sign, obviously of the, the line doing their job. And then there were other runs where, like you mentioned that the, the running backs just kind of lowered their heads and kept churning. I mean, you get an example of each when you look at, at Pittsburgh's three touchdown runs on the, on the first one, the 19 yard run by Warren. I don't know if he gets touched at at all. I don't know if he gets touched, you know, from, from taking the snap to crossing the goal line. Great blocking on that play. Nice vision by him. Good cuts. But on Najee Harris's two touchdown runs, especially the last one. I mean, that was just straight up power, man. I mean, Harris, Harris on the second one got hit at the line of scrimmage, and then he and Pat Fryermuth and Darnell Washington they just kept churning their legs until he wound up into the in the end zone. So, really awesome, just sort of combination of of finesse blocking, power blocking, and determination by the Steelers. Well, the tight ends were requesting a game ball, and this is very true. And Najee loves it because Najee claims that every time he does something well, Pat Fryermuth comes in and claims. He claims a uh, victory for it. He can, he claims responsibility for helping Najee do everything. And uh, there was tongue in cheek and they were joking, but the tight ends did a great job without, uh, you know, you had a big reception by Pat Frymuth, but the bottom line to it was man, they were helping out and blocking the entire team. Even George Pickens laid a big block on a run by Jalen Warren. Yeah, and they only had three receptions between them, all of them by Fryermuth. But the Steelers lined up in a lot of 13 personnel. And one of Seattle's safeties, I can't remember which one it was, one one of Seattle's safeties was quoted as saying, when a team lines up in in 13 personnel, they they tell you what they're going to do, which is to run the football. And so with Seattle fully aware that the Steelers – when they got into those big personnel groups, we're going to run the ball. Uh, and the Steelers still being able to do so successfully, that speaks volumes. It's one thing when you kind of catch a team off guard and, you know, a little smoke and mirrors or maybe maybe you scheme them up and you open up the field to create an advantage somewhere. I mean, that's that's one way to be successful. But there's something very satisfying if you're an offense and if you're a lineman in particular about being able to put your big dudes on the field and basically tell the other team, we're going to run it right at you. and for them to not be able to stop it. That might be the most satisfying way to win a football game when you take away somebody's will like that. One thing that I brought up on the post-game show, and I want to ask you about this. What was the difference with the wide receivers, I was asked? And I feel like they were inspired more than they've ever been inspired. How do you feel about that answer, Kevin? And 
what were was the inspiration for these guys? I think the inspiration was the fact that they trusted that they were going to get the football, that they were that they were going to be able to not only as they as they broke out of their routes uh, expect the ball to be there, but that they could trust that the quarterback uh, was was going to deliver them catchable balls or take advantage of them when they were open. That's been a huge source of frustration for the receivers for most of the year. A lot of the criticism that they directed either passively or aggressively at both Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky revolved around their frustration over just not getting either A, targeted enough, or B, meaning targeted enough because those quarterbacks were either checking the ball down too quick or bailing out of the pocket too fast, uh, or B, you know, for those guys – when they broke open, just the ball wasn't there. There are many instances earlier in the year where you just saw bad body language from the receivers. They come out of a break, they're wide open, the ball's going somewhere else. And then you see, you know, the bad body language, the throwing up of the hands, the the exasperation, et cetera, the, the occasional sideline tantrum. And I'm not I'm not saying that they were right to act like that. They they certainly weren't. I don't I don't really support that. But at the same time, their frustration was was merited by the fact that they just didn't have quarterbacks that were able to give them a chance to be successful. And I think they believe with Mason Rudolph that 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 they will get that chance. And obviously, with Pickens having now back to back hundred yard days and Johnson being effective on Sunday, that you know they're they're right. They're getting the chance and they're and they're and they're showing what they can do when they get it. So are you saying the reason for this inspiration is something that Mason Rudolph has more than anything right now that he might have not had on his first go around with his team as a starter is patience, something that Kenny Pick and Kenny Pickett and of course Mitchell Trubisky did not have because they bailed on plays too early. Yeah, patience is huge. If you think about um, one of the big plays in that game on Sunday came in the fourth quarter. Steelers, Steelers leading 24 to 20 with about 11 minutes to go. They had a third and seven uh, in their own territory. And Rudolph winds up connecting with George Pickens on about a 30-yard pass play. It's the play where Pickens made that beautiful diving catch where he just sort of plucked the ball out of the air just before it, it hit the turf. Uh, and, and Pickens, rightfully so, is getting a ton of credit for that catch. But if you go back and you watch that play, it was Rudolph's willingness to hang in the pocket until the last possible second and allow Pickens to come out of his route that made that thing happen. I, I don't believe that we would have seen that from Pittsburgh's other two quarterbacks. That pocket closed in. Rudolph stood in there tall. He wasn't even able to step into his throw. It was just all arm. He just kind of slung it with his upper body. And it wasn't a perfect throw. Like I said, Pickens had to make an amazing catch just to complete it. But but Rudolph gave him the chance to make that catch by being patient in the pocket, uh, standing tall, taking the hit, uh, being willing to throw off platform, which means he wasn't able to have great mechanics or step into his throw the way you would like. He was he Rudolph is is more comfortable being uncomfortable in the pocket than Pickett or Trubisky, and that's allowed for him to make plays that those other two quarterbacks were not able to make. And I think the receivers recognize that. I love that. Comfortable being uncomfortable. I think we have the title for the show now. That <laughs> just made my job so much easier. Thank you, Kevin Smith. But let me ask you this. Was this one of the truest team performances on offense that we've seen in a long time? And is it safe to say you could probably give a game ball to every single one of them on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, it really was a complete team team effort. You saw guys uh, all um, along the offensive line taking pride in their in their work. They, the tight ends included. I, I don't. I saw at the very end of the game, Darnell Washington, who, who didn't catch a pass. I don't. I don't know if he had a target all game long. He did but on not. Pittsburgh's final run where you know they where Najee Harris slides down at about the four yard line so he doesn't go into the end zone and they can just kneel the game out from there. I mean Darnell Washington is the first guy running up to uh Harris, picking him up off the ground, slapping five. You could definitely see 
Now, they all fed off of the physical dominance that they uh, that they uh, um, exemplified on, on Sunday. And then, obviously, getting the receivers involved in the passing game was huge. That made them more invested in other facets of the game, like their blocking. It just it just had a great energy to it on, on the offensive side of the football. And it's so interesting that the catalyst for all this is Mason Rudolph, a guy who as recently as three weeks, four weeks ago was – was an afterthought buried at the back end of the roster. Someone who who it was all but assumed would leave Pittsburgh after the season. Somebody not too many Steelers fans have given any thought to over the last two and a half years. And now all of a sudden, he's the catalyst for an offensive turnaround that has the Steelers looking like a playoff team. When just a couple of weeks ago, we all thought that they were they were more like a, a, you know, they should be picking in, in the top five because of how bad they were. So really fascinating to see how a season evolves from that perspective. If they would have had this offensive formation from the beginning of the season, or let's just even say at when Kenny Pickett went down and let's just, let's just say that on the, uh, the December 3rd game. What would their record be right now? I mean, obviously, the decision to invest so heavily in Trubisky, both both last off season and then obviously more recently uh, in December, looks bad. It's very tempting to say that the Steelers would have beaten New England and Arizona if they'd started Mason Ru- Rudolph, uh, or at least replaced Kenny Pickett with Mason Rudolph. But Mason Rudolph talked a lot over the last few weeks about how much he learned by being the scout team quarterback for the past two, two and a half years. And, and he, he credited the fact that as the scout team quarterback every day in practice, he's going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense as being one of the reasons why he, he feels he's grown so much from the last time we saw him taking regular snaps. He said, the Steelers defense is so complicated uh, and they throw so many looks at you, so many coverage disguises. Uh, so they, they pressure the quarterback in so many interesting and exotic ways that by going up against them in practice every day as the scout team quarterback, which, by the way, if you're the scout team quarterback, the situations that you're put into are designed for you to fail. You're, you're there running the other team's plays uh, for, you know, that you don't really know what their read progressions are supposed to be. And you're running them against defenses that are being scripted so the defense can succeed. The the defensive coordinator is putting his ideal look uh, down for every play that you run. So you got to run again. You got to run all that stuff against a stacked look, a defense that knows what's coming, that is into the, the perfect call for it, that has its first team unit out against a bunch of practice squad players on the offensive side of the ball. And Mason Rudolph said, uh, going up against those odds every day in practice for the last two and a half years, he really got so much better. And he said, you know, that after that first start, when 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 the Steelers beat the Bengals two weeks ago, after the game, he said there were times in the middle of the game where where he was out on the field, standing there looking at Cincinnati's pre-snap look and saying to himself, "I see, I see more complicated stuff than this in practice every day." You know, so he really just talked about how the practice reps have helped him improve so dramatically. So you'd like to think that that was relevant a couple of weeks ago, that what that would have been relevant at the beginning of December, just like it was at the end. Um, it's hard to say in hindsight, you know, how, how many games the Steelers would have won, but I do believe Rudolph is being genuine when he says that his improvement was so much a factor of the practice reps that he had taken all that time. Uh, and that, you know, that's why we're seeing him, you know, look like he does. Very interesting stuff. That's uh, that's so great to hear. Makes me give you a follow-up question then. And that follow-up question is simple. Does the scout team quarterback, does the third team quarterback have an advantage over the backup because of that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't think in every, uh, on every franchise they do. And I think, if you're the scout team quarterback does obviously have to be able to play the game at the end of the day. I mean, in a lot of places, the backup is just significantly better than the third string guy that the, that the, the reps that that third string guy gets aren't going to help him improve enough to, to uh, surpass 
the backup. But in this instance, where Rudolph was arguably already as good, if not better than Trubisky, and uh, and what Rudolph needed probably more than anything else after the way his you know first go round as Pittsburgh starter went was confidence. He needed his confidence rebuilt to be able to be able for the better part of two years to simply take those reps when nobody can see them, you know, those, those reps in the shadows, so to speak, and be able to, to develop the confidence that, you know, if he can handle what the Steelers defense is throwing at him, then he's going to be fine against just about any other defense in the NFL. I think for him in his situation as the number three quarterback that, yeah, it was an advantage when, when Mitchell Trubisky, if you think about the backup, the starter takes, the starter takes probably 90% of the reps during the week. And so the backup's getting maybe 10% of the reps. So he's not adequately prepared if he has to go into the game because he hasn't gotten enough reps against the other team's defense. But he's also not taking the, sc- the scout team reps, which means he's not getting meaningful reps against his own team as well. So in that sense, the starter who gets 90% of the reps uh, running his own offense and the third string guy who gets 100% of the reps running the scout team offense, they're both benefiting more on the day-to-day than the backup. That's so great. Now, this is my last question about the offense before we take a break. And I want you to answer this question as a coach. If Najee Harris scores his third touchdown there, and we already talked about him selflessly, you know, going down to run out the clock. But if he scores there, and now the score is 37 with less than two minutes left in the game. Are you yelling at the guy? No, nobody's going to yell at him. Uh, I mean, there would only, there would only have been about 55 seconds. They ran that last play with a minute to go. He would have scored with 55 seconds. Seattle was out of timeouts. You're up two touchdowns at that point. Nobody's going to yell at him, but I would, but I I do think that he, he probably comes over and Mike Tomlin sort of gently says to him, Hey man, next time, you know, let's let's just go down there because we can end the game right now. We don't have to play out these last 55 seconds or so. Now, you know, if it's a situation where there are almost two minutes left and and the Steelers are are now, you know, that touchdown's only going to put them up by let's say 10 points. I think then maybe it's a different conversation. You know, then it's a little bit more emphatic, like, hey, we gotta we gotta be better at knowing the situation. Uh, but I don't I think it would have been pretty hard to get to get angry, especially when you consider the, all the frustration that, that that this offense has faced, that Najee Harris has been through. It was his first 100-yard game of the season. It would have been his first three-touchdown game in I don't know how long. And, uh, and, and it would have been more of an error of enthusiasm than of selfishness, I think. And so I think you have to make that distinction as a coach. Well, that being a th- uh, three-score game at that point, if they get the extra point and, you know, usually they're going to get the extra point. So it's not really as selfish of a move as it seems to be. But do you think that it's bigger just for the fact that it wouldn't have hurt that he got in, but the fact that he was emphatically saying, Hey, this is a team game and nobody's above me. Yeah. It's and I'm not above anybody. Excuse me. Correct. Yeah. It's absolutely a great look for Najee Harris that he went down there and it, and it shows a guy whose head is in the game and he's thinking about it from a, a, a global view as opposed to just a personal view. And so in that, from that sense, absolutely. I think that uh, not only did he do the right thing, but I think that he impressed coaches, fans, teammates, et cetera, uh, with his awareness in that situation. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back right after this with talking about the defense, having our dude of the week and getting ready for next week. Stick around. It's Here We Go, The Steeler Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back. The Steelers were victorious on New Year's Eve by the score of 30 to 23. That is just a fantastic feeling to uh, see the Steelers go over 30 points two weeks in a row. Some people are saying it's too little too late. The Steelers have an opportunity to get into the playoffs, but we're still recapping this game first and talking about the defense. Our host, Kevin Smith, along with me, B.A.D., we are talking about the defense now. Kevin, quickly, this is a defense that is hurting. This is a defense that needed help from the offense and got it. But this is a defense that still put the team in position to win. How are they pulling this together? Is this smoke and mirrors? Well, first of all, the assist they got from the offense was huge. I mean, the, off- the offense possessed the football for over 37 minutes out of that contest which means the defense only had to be on the field for a little more than 22 minutes. And that was huge right there. So, so they're all, they're on the field for a little over 22 minutes. Uh, they give up 23 points. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, we can nitpick at that if, if we want and say, Oh man, they're giving up a, a point per minute when they're on the field. Um, but given who was on the field physically, it is remarkable that they continue to play as well as they do. The leading tacklers yesterday for the Steelers were Eric Rowe and Miles Jack, two guys who weren't even on the active roster three weeks ago. Uh, the Steelers are on their their fifth and sixth linebackers right now, and their fifth and sixth safeties. The, the, the guy playing safety right now, Patrick Peterson, isn't even a safety. He's a corner, and you know he's, he made his second and third starts at safety in, in his long and distinguished career these past two weeks. So they're doing a remarkable job of just getting the defense to execute the scheme, uh, you know, being running to the football, getting into the right spots. It's even more remarkable that they did so well yesterday when you consider the fact that TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith were shut out from a sack perspective. The Steelers only had one sack. Uh, and it was a big one there by by Nick Herbig, a, a really a game changing play there. But so to to not be able to have their some of their better defenders on the field to not get the normal production from their edge rushers that they usually get 
uh, and to still win a game that they dominated that was not as close as the final score suggests is really remarkable. It absolutely is. Now, when you look at how they were able to go ahead and not sack the quarterback too much. They had the big one by Herbig, like you mentioned at the end, but they were still getting some pressure on Geno Smith in this game. So does that just prove that a guy like TJ Watt doesn't have to have sacks, but could be so valuable in this game as he really was? Oh yeah, absolutely. Even on TJ Watt plays a huge role uh, on Herbig's uh, strip sack and the big turnover there that, allows the Steelers to go up by 10 midway through the fourth quarter. On that play, uh, Geno Smith drops back to pass, and he's looking at a, a crossing route from Jackson Smith and the Jigba, but he's unable to throw that crossing route because T.J. Watt is dropped back into coverage. T.J. Watt's 15 yards down the field, in the middle of the field, playing the, the so-called rat. A lot of teams use that term, the rat as the guy who who sits in the middle of the field to disrupt crossing routes. And so they drop Watt, who's lined up on the left edge at the snap. They drop him back 15 yards into the middle of the field. And Geno Smith thinks he's going to have a completion because the Steelers are coming with a stunt. Miles Jack is coming on the stunt there. And the Steelers think, or I'm sorry, Smith thinks, hey, I'm going to be able to target my receiver here crossing the middle of the field. And he sees Watt, and now he's got to go to a second read. And his second read's an outcut. And so by the time he now pivots to get his head and his footwork right to throw that outcut, Nick Herbig swoops in and, and makes the sack and knocks the ball loose. And so it's, you know, it's TJ Watt being in a spot where Geno Smith never expected him to be that forced Smith to go to his second read that gave Herbig the time to get home there. So, right, you're not, you know, credit to the Steelers defensive coaching staff. If if Watt was unable to get to the quarterback because he was being chipped and doubled and all that all that stuff that teams like to do to him to slow him down, then uh, Terrell Austin and the defensive staff found a, a different way to make him effective. So you never know, man. That's what that's one of the things Mason Rudolph was alluding to when he was talking about being the scout team quarterback. You get so many different looks from this defense, so many coverage disguises, so many blitzes that you're not anticipating that uh, you've really got to be able to think your way through some stuff and you got to think your way through it at a high rate of speed or you're going to get yourself in trouble. So when we look at everything now, what we've seen just the last two weeks, the Pittsburgh Steelers are fighting for their playoff lives. lives. They go ahead and they take on the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Coach John Harbaugh has intimated that they might not be resting Lamar Jackson in this game because of lessons learned in 2019 when they did rest Lamar Jackson and lose in the first round of the playoffs. So my question to you is, do you think this is just a whole bunch of uh, smoke being blown? Right now, the Steelers are the favorites because of it, but only Harbaugh knows what he's going to do. Is he playing games right now? I think so. I I think I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll be surprised if if Lamar Jackson plays because I think that you know what learning lessons from previous encounters doesn't always mean that you that you distinctly change your physical plan. It may mean that you change your mental plan. It may mean that you change your mental approach to that contest. The risk of playing Jackson for however many reps that they choose to play him in a heated rivalry against a, a team that's very, very familiar with you and that has a pretty good beat on, on what you want to do is just too significant, I think, for, for Harbaugh to give Jackson meaningful reps. Does he give him a couple of series just to sort of keep him fresh and in a rhythm? I don't know. I mean, is that how valuable is that at this point when he's played hundreds and hundreds of snaps already? So if they were to put Lamar Jackson out there and win that game, it would not benefit them at all. If they were to put him out there uh, and get him injured, it would derail their championship aspirations. And right now, in my mind, they're the Super Bowl favorites. And I think John Harbaugh would get absolutely crucified for that decision. And so I just, you know, maybe part of this is wishful thinking on my part. I, I don't want to see Lamar Jackson on the field uh, next week. 
But if I try to be objective about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from their their standpoint. Well, one of the reasons, too, I, I did mention the lessons learned, but he also said in his press conference that Lamar Jackson um, is pretty much going to demand the ball that he wants to go out and beat the Steelers, that this is a big game for him. So we just talked about the selflessness of Najee Harris for, for going that touchdown. It does not seem like the Ravens are a selfless team, especially with uh, they have no hesitation ever to pile on scores, leaving Lamar Jackson late out in that game because Lamar, whether they wanted to just leave him in to pile it on or Lamar refused to come out, which is very possible too. Is that is that just showing a different mindset in the Charm City? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I've never really sort of taken that as as selfish. It is the NFL, and you rarely get those those big blowout games. Uh, I thought that what Baltimore did in Sunday's game against Miami was all within the confines of of competitive football. I mean, they were obviously beating them on the field, but they did so in a way that didn't strike me as being like you're trying to pile on or, or you're doing things to humiliate your opponent, anything like that. Um, I just think that the Ravens are damn good right now and they're playing at a really, really high level. And they wanted, they wanted Jackson to finish that game yesterday or on Sunday because they may have been looking ahead and saying like, Hey, he is going to sit against Pittsburgh and then he's going to get a bye week and we don't want to take him out of this game early because now we're looking at potentially three weeks where he hasn't played a full football game. So there may have been a little bit of that there. You know, one of the, one of the quotes of, of Bill Parcells is that I always remember is Bill Parcells saying, it's not my job to worry about what the other team's intentions are. It's not my job uh, to, to worry about whether or not they're running up the score. It's my job to stop them from running up the score. And I always think about that at the NFL level where these are all professionals even when Miami beat Denver earlier in the season, 70 to 21, I, I didn't fault the Dolphins for scoring 70 points. I faulted the Broncos for giving up 70 points. It's a little bit different in high school because you get big disparities in, in talent levels and abilities and, and styles and those types of things. I think you have a more of a responsibility as a high school coach to, to consider sportsmanship and, and the final score and make sure your JV kids are in if there's a, game getting out of hand, but there is no JV in pro football. So uh, we'll be, I'll be really interested to see where the, the Ravens go with this against Pittsburgh. But my suspicion is that Jackson will not play. Well, the only reason I bring the, that up is I've seen John Harbaugh go for two up by 30. <laughs> I've seen late in a game. I've seen him kick an onside kick against the Steelers while they were blowing blowing them out just to be that guy. So I I have a lot of disrespect for I I think he's a fantastic coach. He does a lot of great things, but I have a lot of disrespect for the way he handles himself and that's that's just me. Um, when I get off of this uh show, I'm going to be rooting against the other Harbaugh too cuz I just have a lot of problems with that football family. Well, there is an obnoxiousness gene that seems to run in that family. No doubt about that. Uh, he, he's, he's an excellent, they're, they're, they're excellent football coaches. They got a style that certainly rubs people the wrong way. I don't know. I mean, I, you know how they say like, if, if that guy wasn't, uh, if he was on your team, you'd love him, but he's on your enemy. So, so you hate him. I always felt that way about Ed Reed. Uh, you know, I like hated Ed Reed as a Raven, but man, I, oh my God, I always, wish that he was a stealer because if he had been a stealer, he might've been my favorite one. I don't ever think that about Harbaugh. I don't ever think like, oh, Harbaugh. I wish he, I'd love him if I were a stealer. I, I, I think he's got that, that gene in him in, in some regard, but he's got a big, I mean, and, and the Steelers Ravens rivalry obviously is, it is what it is. Everybody knows it's one of the best rivalries in football. Uh, his brother's in, engaged in one of those with Ohio state, Michigan. So, so, you know, they, they know something about rivalries, but it'll be really it'll be really interesting to see if he gets caught up in the rivalry thing and in the fact that the Steelers have beaten Baltimore six out of the last eight, or if he kind of keeps his eye on the bigger prize, which is the Super Bowl. 
Well, that is going to be interesting to see. We will see if we are crowning a dude of the week next week. We definitely have dudes of the week to crown this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's hear who you got. Well, I'm going to go with Najee Harris because, uh, one, obviously his his performance on the field warranted it. But I just think for Najee Harris, that was a really important game. Again, he's had a frustrating season both physically and mentally. It's just been, you know, there have been times this year where you just wondered about his maturity and and a lot of people asking questions about, is he a good leader? Is he throwing teammates under the bus with some of his, you know, non-comment comments? I, you know, I want to be able to say this, this, and this, but I can't. And that rubs some people the wrong way. But he, the way he played on Sunday, man, he went out there and ran hard. He ran angry. Like you said earlier, move the piles. Uh, ran like a guy for whom it meant something. And and that was awesome to see. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, there's a big debate about whether or not, not Najee Harris or Jalen Warren should be the number one running back. Uh, I like the, the tandem as a whole. They complement each other really well. But he ran like a number one back on Sunday. So he's my guy. Who do you got, Bri? I think they are liking that tandem as well. I, I think they are starting to appreciate that. Uh, both of them, and but I think they want to one up each other, and I think that's a, a friendly, a teammate rivalry, and I love it. I'm gonna go. I I cannot argue with you with Najee Harris, and I'm going to support that pick. But I'm gonna throw in another guy, so we can each have a dude of the week. That's what we've established here, and it's simply gonna be Nick Herbig. I really love what he's done. I think he is has become the guy that. He's there, and you know that the Steelers have a future with this guy if if somebody gets hurt, and you have not had that depth in a long time. He has the enthusiasm. Obviously, you could tell T.J. Watt is taking him under his wing, and he is doing some fantastic things, so hats off to him. I want to throw another another game ball or dude of the week or whatever we want to call it to somebody that I think we may have honored last week as well. But Miles Jack, to me, is healthy. Miles Jack has gotten off the couch and out of community college, basically, or trade school or wherever he was going to go, to having a long-term future in the NFL once again. He's still a very young player. And Miles Jack, I tell you what, I think he has given the Steelers a, um, a definite guy that you want to bring back next year with no exceptions whatsoever, the way he is handling his business. You said it last week, the fact that he is healthy has uh, has made all the difference in the world with this guy. And he has come in and and he's just, he's acted like he's been there all season. And with the Landon Roberts out, he has really helped solidify a, a very gaping hole and uh, filled it in the middle of that defense. Yeah, and the Steelers defenders have all commented on how grateful they are to have him back and what great energy he brings. So he's obviously a guy who they look to as a catalyst. And uh, the results are there, man. Two two weeks in, he's been in double digit uh, double digits in tackles both weeks. And I'll tell you what, I'm you know I'm not here to to dump on anybody uh, you know outside the organization. But there were a lot of national media people who took notice of the fact that, that Devin Bush was credited with making 17 tackles uh, in that game on Sunday. Well, haven't had a chance to, to do some film breakdown. Uh, I'll take Miles Jack's performance over Devin Bush's uh, seven days out of the week because uh, Miles Jack was making plays at the line of scrimmage. He was running around, uh, bringing a lot of energy. Uh, Devin Bush was was shying away from contact and making tackles eight yards down the field, jumping on piles and, and riding Najee Harris's back. Uh, and so there was, to me, there was, there was no, no uh, comparison whatsoever between those two performances. So uh, I was very happy to have miles Jack in the lineup for sure. And apparently I don't know. I, I, we saw this, I saw this online on Twitter. I don't know if this is exact, but according to reports, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver George Pickens pointed to former Steeler Devin Bush after his 37-yard reception and said, 
That's exactly why they released your bum A. You're sorry. <laughs> that sounds like maybe a thing George Pickens might say in the heat of competition, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love it. It's, uh, you know, if we would have said that to Artie Burns, I would have had a problem because Artie Burns is a class act. Devin Bush and his cat dangling and everything that he's said and done. I I tell you what, I uh, I don't have a problem with anybody saying anything disparaging right now. Um, I wish him health and safety, just uh, success on the football field, not as much. But with that being said, that's just me being me. And uh, we had a great show. Hopefully, the show that we have next week, we are talking about a run to the playoffs. Are you feeling? Are you feeling it? Do you feel like that we might be having a meaningful show next week? Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I, I never get told of me. Uh, uh, am I feeling it? I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, Brian. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have any idea what the heck is going to happen in this crazy season. The Steelers looked great for a while. They looked horrendous for a while. They they looked pretty darn good again. I'm excited about their prospects if they can get in. All right. I mean, I mean, and and let's face it, the prospects of them getting in are pretty good. There's a pretty good chance the Steelers could go down to Baltimore and win with a Ravens team likely to rest a lot of key players. There's a pretty good chance Buffalo will go down to Miami and lose. And I don't, I don't want to get too overhyped about any of it because I don't want to be disappointed because I am starting to feel excited. I am starting to believe that this Steelers team has has conquered some mental demons that you know were haunting them for a while there. And that now, man, they're in they're in pretty good position. And that if they get in as the seven seed and have to go to, I don't even know where they would go, uh, whoever winds up being being the two, but like that Kansas City or or whomever that they'll they'll give them a give them a run for their money it it very well could be miami at this point if if they get in as a seventh but there's a potential that they get in as a sixth that's how crazy this whole thing is so they could be going to miami they could be going to kansas city yeah if if buffalo is the number two seed they're not going yeah because they would need that they would need that loss so uh plain and simple that Miami game is huge for the Steelers, but even bigger is the business at hand. The Steelers have it first. The Steelers do not have to watch a scoreboard whatsoever because they are playing alone um, at 4:30. It's them and the Baltimore Ravens, and there's no other NFL game on at that time on Saturday. So here we go. Here we go indeed. Right. And I'm excited you know, it's it's a perfect way to end the season, the regular season anyway, with a uh, a must win game in Baltimore. And I can remember some some must win games in Baltimore rather fondly. So I hope this is another one. Yeah, they they seem to make a habit of having uh, having that team the last couple of weeks of their season. So with that being said, it is going to be exciting here. Make sure you check out Fans for Sports Network. Kevin Smith with the whip around, with the call sheet. He is on our NFL affiliate as well as here with Here We Go, the Steelers show. Check out me. I will have the final the final edition of the big picture for the 2023 season until we take a break because that's all about the playoff picture from week one all the way to week 17, week 18, excuse me. So you'll have me here also on all the shows that I'm on, the Steelers preview, the Steelers post-game show, also uh, Bad Language, and here we go, the Steelers show. Make sure you check out all of our 25 original shows, whether it be Jeff Hartman with Let's Ride, Dave Schofield with the Stat Geek, the guys from What Yin's Talking About, we have Kyle and Greg, whether it be the Hangover crew that you heard last night with with Daniel J, whose birthday is January 1st. Happy birthday to Daniel J. And with uh, Shannon White as well. Um, I'm I'm forgetting about the, the homies. I don't want to. I'm forgetting about Jeremy and Andrew, the Fix crew. I don't want to forget about Big Brosco. I don't want to forget about anybody. Check us all out. We are here. We are here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are here to give you every little bit of information you could possibly get. And you get it here first. So check it on all out. But for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.